welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 9 of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. I am, as usual, your host, Brian Brennan, in the place to be. Happy Monday. Coming at you a little bit later than normal today. I recorded an interview with Ethan Winter this morning for today's episode, and that took up some of my time. So I, I it's a long interview with Ethan but it's really good. Ethan's the man. Um, I think it's a great interview with Ethan. We talk about um, uh, all things Boston, honestly. Um, you know, for those of you who don't know Ethan Winter, uh, my former college roommate, he is a very, very big Boston sports fan. Um, so we talk about, and you know, he's kind of my rival in that aspect. You know, I, I even say it in the interview, like we were kind of like the odd couple in college, the way that I was a New York sports fan and still am. And, uh, Ethan was a Boston sports fan and still is. So, um, we were kind of like the odd couple in college, but we recorded a great and very long interview for this episode where we talk about, uh, so if you don't like Boston, you might not want to listen, but we do talk about the Patriots. We talk about the Red Sox. We talk about um, we talk about the um, Ethan. Also, um, interesting thing about Ethan, he's also a sports writer for the Metro West Daily News in Massachusetts. So he's seen COVID nineteen firsthand and how it's affecting high school sports and athletics. So we talked to him about that, and then um, also talked to him. He also um, talks about the election a little bit. I know uh, probably tired of me giving you election takes. You know, considering Mike and Tim had their election takes, but. Um, yeah, Ethan gives his thoughts on the election as well, uh, and it's just a great interview. So we're going to talk about um, NFL Week 10. We're going to recap everything that happened yesterday in a crazy NFL Week 10, maybe talk a little bit about tonight's matchup between the Minnesota Vikings and the Chicago Bears on Monday Night Football. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the Ma- Masters and Dustin Johnson's impressive victory yesterday. Um, pretty easy win. I believe he tied the record for the lowest um, score set at Augusta National with uh, minus 20, so uh, 20 under, excuse me. Um, as you can see, I'm really not that much of a golf person. So we'll talk a little bit about that, um, his historic victory. Uh, good for DJ. I'm happy for DJ. I'm glad Dustin Johnson won the Masters. Um, good. Couldn't ask for anyone more. It was cool to see Tiger give him the green jacket yesterday. Um, yeah, so um, that's pretty much this episode. Uh, we'll talk about a couple other things as well. But uh, why don't we just jump right into it, folks? We've got a lot to talk about with this NFL Week 10. It was a crazy one. Let's jump right into it. NFL Week 10. All right, so uh, let's begin NFL Week 10 recap here, starting with the Giants and the Eagles. Two touchdowns from Wayne Gallman give the Giants a win over Philadelphia. They should be 2-0 this year against the Eagles, honestly, folks. They blew that last game on Thursday Night Football. They should have won that game. They should be 2-0. They should have four wins on the season. They honestly should have more wins than they do this season. The Giants have been in just about every game this year. And um, it's exciting to see as a fan, especially after the last couple of years where they've just been so awful and just so unwatchable and just a terrible football team. You know, the Giants actually seem like they're – you know, competitive at least. And I feel like they would have been more competitive if Saquon Barkley hadn't gone down for the season in the second game of the year. But uh, Wayne Gallman has stepped up big and Daniel Jones also in the running game, he's doing things like he's doing things with his legs. Like that's the one thing you can say about Daniel Jones. I know he tripped and fell against the Eagles in the game before this, but um, still you can't deny Daniel Jones has talent 
with his legs. He's a mobile quarterback. He um, he's a good. He's just yeah. I think Daniel Jones is you know turning into a real yeah. I, he, this is his first, only his second win against um, a non-Washington football team opponent uh, against the Eagles in this game. Uh, he beat the Bucks last year, so this is only his second win against a non-Washington football team opponent. He's got four other wins against Washington football team. But, um, yeah, this was a good win for the Giants. I guess this technically puts them right in the thick of the NFC East race, although I still think technically the Giants should tank for a better draft pick, maybe not a Trevor Lawrence-type draft pick or a Justin Fields-type draft pick, but maybe they should tank for you know a better draft pick. But I, I give them credit for, you know, fighting not not giving up in these games um yeah uh, you know i really can't can't give them enough enough credit you know they really honestly i thought the score was a little bit you know i thought they played much better than the eagles in this game i thought they played much better than philly and i thought they deserved to win so shout out to the giants we'll see what happens in the nfc east the nfc east is just so awful cowboys were on a bye this week so they stay at two wins washington will get to them and their comeback against detroit that fell just a little bit short but, um, yeah, this was definitely a good win for the Giants, and um, I'm happy with it. I'm satisfied, uh, so I'll, I'll take it. Uh, other Next game, uh, Browns-Texans. I didn't see much of this one because, you know, Red Zone, the thing about the NFL Red Zone channel is they like to show scoring and touchdowns, and there weren't a lot of that in this game. Uh, there was a field goal in the first quarter, and that was all that lasted until there were two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Cody Parkey hit the field goal in the, the first quarter to make it 3 nothing, And then that lasted all the way until the fourth quarter when Nick Chubb, welcome back Nick Chubb, he got a touchdown, a uh, nine-yard touchdown run to give it a 10-0 lead. And then Farrow Brown um, caught a 16-yard touchdown from Deshaun Watson so uh, to give the Texans their only score of the game, but they fall short. Ugly day in Cleveland. Browns win. Browns improve to 6-3. Uh, and three. A lot of six and three teams in the AFC. We'll get to that in a little bit, but uh, it's a lot of parity right now in the AFC, and the Browns are right in the thick of it. Even though they didn't look particularly great offensively yesterday, a good defensive performance, only holding the Texans to seven points. So uh, shout out to the Cleveland Browns for getting the win. Um, Detroit Lions, Washington Football Team. Um, for you know, for most of this game, it looked like it was going to be um, in favor of the Detroit Lions. Uh, DeAndre Swift uh, had a really nice day for Detroit. Um, he, he, I think he had two touchdowns. Let me pull up the stats quickly. Uh, if he did, he had two receiving touchdowns. Um, he only had one touchdown, but he had a really nice day. Marvin Hall and Marvin Jones also had touchdowns for Detroit in this game. But Washington came back. Uh, Washington was down 24-3 to at one point, and they almost came back in this game. They tied the game with a 16-yard field goal. It looked like it was going to overtime. It really looked like this game was going to overtime. Um, Dustin Hopkins ties the game with a 41-yard field goal. And then um, Detroit, magically, with 16 seconds left, marches down the field. And Admittedly, there was a penalty on Washington that shouldn't have been committed. And as a young team, Washington will learn from their mistakes and learn from that. Um, I'm sure they will. Um, A dumb penalty that got them into field goal range. But honestly... You can't. Uh, I'll give a shout out to Champ, the People's Champ, uh, Ken Washington, um, because he said he's a Washington football team fan, and he said after that game he can't even be mad because Matt Prater kicked such a long field goal that you can't even really be mad about it. Like you know, he he made it. Like what 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 more can you say? Um, 
a great kick by Prater, um, and um, a great win for Detroit. Detroit improves to th- four and five on the season. A lot of four and five teams in the NFL as well. It's like you're either six and three or four and five. It's crazy. It's crazy right now in the NFL. Um, and I'm sorry to my friends who are Washington football team fans, but you guys unfortunately fall to two and seven. Uh, guys might want to start thinking about a draft pick. You guys might want to start thinking about a higher draft pick, uh, potentially a quarterback as well. Maybe Justin Fields. I know you guys like Ohio State players, so maybe maybe you'd go for Justin Fields. Um, I'm just trying to get inside the mind of a Washington football team fan right now uh, and think, what are you thinking right now? Uh, as you um, are, as you just continue to lose games like this, um, yeah, you got to be starting to think for a draft pick. Speaking of high draft picks, the Jacksonville Jaguars against the Green Bay Packers in a game that was a lot closer than a lot of people uh, thought it would be. Uh, Jake Lutton, I want to, I want to get his, I want to give him a shout out because I got his name wrong twice on the podcast and the last episode. So I want to give Jake Lutton a shout-out, uh, the quarterback for the Jaguars, who was filling in for Gardner Minshew. He played pretty well in this game. He got 18-35, 169 yards, touchdown and interception. But the Jaguars fall to 1-8. and eight. I mean, I didn't really doubt Green Bay in this game. Marquez Valdez-Scandling had another big game. You might remember me hyping him up after that San Francisco game he had last week. Um, well, Sc- Valdez-Scandling did it once again. Um uh, Keon Cole had a really nice game, or Keelan Cole. Keelan Cole had a kick return for a touchdown, a 91-yard punt return for a touchdown, and a 12-yard kick uh, pass from Lutton. So um, if it's Luton, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to Jake Luton or Lutton, whatever your name is. I'm very sorry if I'm butchering your name. But Keelan Cole had a nice day in this game, and Jacksonville actually led in the fourth quarter. But Devontae Adams, once again, um, the touchdown to win the game with nine minutes left, and Jackson and Green Bay holds on for the win and improves to seven and two. I noticed, um, and Matt Pranzoni, who was actually over at my apartment yesterday watching football with me, he noticed too that um, Green Bay wasn't really using Aaron Jones in this game. Um, I don't know if that's going to be what it's like going forward. If they're, they're going to do running back by committee, I feel like that'd be kind of dumb, seeing as you have Aaron freaking Jones on your team, but um. Yeah, the Packers get the win. It's an ugly win, but it's a win nonetheless. They'll take it. They get to watch two of their NFC Central Division rivals play tonight in the Bears and the Vikings on Monday Night Football. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, NFC South Division rivals. Um, first off, Buccaneers-Panthers. But first off, uh, before I get into this game, I want to give a shout-out to um, the biggest Panthers fan I know, personally, Phil Dameron and his new wife, Katie for getting married this past weekend. I was able to watch that on Saturday, a live stream of their wedding, even though I wasn't able to attend in person. I wish I was. Uh, I was able to watch their the wedding, their live stream. So um, congrats to Phil and Katie on their wedding. Uh, Phil is the biggest Carolina Panthers fan I know. He actually got me into the Carolina Panthers a little bit while I was living in North Carolina, and I was watching games with him. I was just having such a good time. just kind of got caught up in it. But um, so I just want to give a shout out to Phil and Katie. Um, I, I've been waiting for this game so I can do that. Uh, congratulations on your marriage and uh, best of luck to you in the future. Uh, on to this game, though. Uh, sorry, Phil, your team got crushed. Um, 46 to 23 doubled up. Um, three touchdown day for Tom Brady. Uh, pretty easy. Cameron Brate and Gronk both had touchdowns. Mike Evans had a beauty. 
a beauty touchdown to make it 17-17. Honestly, this game was close for a little while. Uh, Mike Evans did, you know, caught that touchdown to make it 17-17. But then after that, uh, the Bucks kind of pulled away from there. Um, you know, Tom Brady also had a touchdown run. Uh, Ronald Jones, the big play of this game, I, I almost forgot, was a 98-yard touchdown run. Uh, Ronald Jones um, up the from the two-yard line all the way to the end zone. Couldn't ask for anything more. A great touchdown by Ronald by Rojo. Um, I know I've said this in the past, but I made a trade with Dylan McNiff in our Scrub Nation Fantasy Football League uh, where I traded Ronald Jones for Antonio Gibson of the Washington football team. And um, I still want that trade back. I mean, that's that's one I'm looking back on not so fondly. Like, that was a mistake for sure. Um, Tampa Bay gets the win. Uh, they improve to seven and three uh so they're looking good they only have one loss other than the saints game so um shout out to the bucks uh they, they look pretty good right now uh let me drink my coffee you know like what's the point of making a coffee if you're not going to drink it i can't pause the podcast like you guys realize that right like i can't pause the podcast i'd have to start a whole new section all over again that's the one negative downside to anchor, I guess. Um, Broncos Raiders. Let's just go through some of the stats because this game wasn't very close. 37 to 12. Uh, Drew Locke threw four picks. uh, Josh Jacobs had um, two touchdowns in this game for the Raiders. And um, yeah, pretty easy, um, pretty easy win for Las Vegas. Um, They'll, they'll take it over a division rival. Uh, like I said, did not see much of this game, but it appears Drew Locke struggled. Uh, this was the first of the 4 o'clock games. So the last five games I mentioned were all 1 o'clock games. This is the first of the 4 o'clock games. Um, Broncos, Raiders. Raiders get the win. Uh, not too much to say about that one. Um, good win for Las Vegas. Uh, Dolphins, Chargers. Um, Tua played pretty well in this game. He's now 3-0. and um, And Herbert um, kind of struggled a little bit. They both... Neither of them had particularly hugely impressive days. Herbert was 20 of 32 for 187 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. Tua was 15 of 25, 169 yards, two touchdowns. Um, But the Dolphins just keep on rolling. Uh, Just a great defensive, you know, their, their defense looks like they're doing really well right now. So you have to give the Dolphins a lot of credit, honestly. Uh, I've been impressed with what they've done so far this season. Uh, six and three. Look at, like I said, a lot of six and three teams. You're either six and three or four and five in the NFL right now. So um, Miami gets the win. Um, I, I, I think um, you know, two is making a name for himself in this AFC East for sure. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens the rest of the way. Will Miami make the playoffs? Will Miami win the division? Because the Bills lost yesterday. In heartbreaking fashion, folks. Uh, that was the next game we're going to get to anyway, so we might as well get into it. Um, so first off, um, this game went back and forth. This, you know, I told you, folks. What did I tell you? This game was going to be one of the best ones of the week, and sure enough, it was. With 34 seconds left, Stefan Diggs catches a beautiful. He makes a beautiful catch to give the Bills the lead from Josh Allen. And at that point, Ian Eagle. Ian Eagle is one of the best commentators in all sports. The way he does the NBA, the way he does football, he's a great. He's just great at what he does. He said at that moment, Stefan Diggs is the best, has having the best season of any wide receiver in football. DeAndre Hopkins heard that and was like, hold my beer. 
a 43-yard Hail Mary from Kyler Murray that I only think maybe like one or two other people in this universe can catch. Out of thin air, surrounded by three guys, a beautiful touchdown. A beautiful touchdown with two seconds left to give the Cardinals the lead. You can't ask for anything more if you're a Cardinals fan who are now in first place alone in the NFC West. Hope I described that victory as dramatically as I made it seem. That was Kyler's only touchdown pass of the day, by the way. Kind of interesting. Uh, He had a touchdown run, but that was his only pass of the day was DeAndre Hopkins. And Hopkins, you know, there have been some struggles coming over to Arizona. He has to adapt to, you know, a kind of explosive offense like the Cardinals have. But um, this was his big moment for sure. Uh, big, you know, shout out to DeAndre Hopkins for making that touchdown catch. Um, what a great moment for the Cardinals. One of the best moments, I think, in recent Cardinals history, if not one of the best moments. I know the Cardinals haven't had a great history. That's got to be one of the best moments for sure. Uh, what a moment by DeAndre Hopkins uh, catching that game when he touched down. Uh, Seahawks, Rams. Um, Rams, honestly, you know, I have to apologize because I said on my podcast that I didn't understand why the Rams were favored in this game. It's like the Rams heard my podcast and were like, okay, we got to prove Brian Brennan wrong. And they went out there and they absolutely played much better, much better than Mr. Unlimited, who threw two interceptions yesterday. Not, not so unlimited there, were you, Russ? Um, not a good day for the Seahawks. Honestly, the final score was 23-16, to 16, but it feels a lot worse, honestly. The Rams honestly looked a lot better than the Seahawks in this game. It wasn't even close. Um, I don't even remember Red Zone going to this game that much, honestly. Like, it was honestly not that close. Um, Saints 49ers, shout out to Mike, because uh, he's a Saints fan, obviously, and they won this game. The Saints were down 10 nothing in this game. Um but then uh, they kind of marched back, and I remember Mike was actually over yesterday too. Don't worry, folks. I'm staying socially distant. I'm staying as I'm. We're staying distant in my room, masks and everything. Everybody's being safe. Don't worry about that. Um, when I say I'm having people over at my apartment, like I'm not having a. It's not like I'm throwing a party or anything. I'm having like a friend or two over. It's not just big difference. But anyway, um, San, San Francisco went up ten nothing. And even then, Mike never really had a doubt about this game that the Saints would win. Alvin Kamara had three touchdowns, uh, two running and one receiving. So um, that helped Lee get a win in fantasy football this week uh, over Tim. I hope it doesn't happen this week when I play Lee. But, um, yeah, obviously the big story about this game uh, is Drew Brees getting hurt. Uh, Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill pretty much carried the duties at quarterback in the second half. And um, they pretty much carried it from there. Um, we'll see if Drew plays. Personally, the Saints play the Falcons next week. I could see them going with Jameis Winston. I think Jameis Winston has enough experience against the, against the Atlanta Falcons that he could win the game without Drew Brees. So uh, I am going to go. I, I, I think uh, if, if they were to miss Drew Brees, I mean, we saw it last year when Teddy Bridgewater came in. And really uh, did a great job uh, game managing. He was, you know, not not only just game managing, like he was a good quarterback for the Saints while Drew Brees was out. They went undefeated while Drew Brees was out last year. So if it comes down to that, I think the Saints. I actually said this to Mike yesterday. The Saints are a team that can survive 
losing their quarterback for an extended period of time. They don't want to lose their quarterback. They'd obviously rather have Drew Brees, but if it came down to it, they are one of the teams that can survive losing their quarterback. All right, uh, Steelers-Bengals honestly don't have too much to say. I didn't see much of this game. Steelers are undefeated. I know, Like I said, I told you Big Ben wouldn't need much practice this week to go out and beat the Bengals, and I was right. He threw four touchdowns, not even close. Um, Steelers blow him out and improve to 9-0. and Who do the Steelers play this week? I know they play the Ravens on Thanksgiving. Oh, they played the Jags. So uh, I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but I have a feeling the Steelers are going to be heading towards 10-0 and going into that matchup against the Baltimore Ravens, who lost last night and fall to 6-3. and three. This is the final game of our Week 10 recap. Patriots over the Ravens in a rainy... I mean, we talk about... I talk about this game a lot with Ethan, so I won't talk about it too much in depth, so we're going to go right to the interview next with Ethan. But, um, you know, that rain was really crazy. Um, I, and, you know, I really think that Baltimore didn't come prepared for the rain. They should have been looking at the forecast a little bit more, and they should have been preparing a little bit more for a situation like this where um, the, it just rained like crazy and just didn't stop. Um, if I was Baltimore, I would have um, prepared. Just, you know, maybe turn on the sprinkler system or something. I don't know how you prepare for a rainstorm like that. I mean, that was it was crazy. Um, but I give credit to the Patriots for managing it well. That is one area of Bill Belichick's coaching that will never change. It's just how good he knows um, how to manage like situations like that. Uh, Cam Newton actually played pretty well in this game, um, both rushing and Damian Harris as well had 121 yards. Jacoby Myers had a touchdown pass as well for the Patriots. So Patriots fans went from pretty much despair a few weeks ago, two and five, not looking good to now they're four and five right in the thick of things in an up and down AFC where, like I said, many teams are in contention for a playoff spot. Um, if you're a New England Patriots fan, you know, you got to be feeling good. I know Cam, you know, he's still coming back from the COVID and everything, but um, if you're a Patriots fan, you got to love this win against the Ravens, especially a rival like Baltimore. Um, you know, for Ravens fans like Tim Clark, um, Tim was very upset yesterday. I, I know for a fact I talked to him. Uh, I talked to him during the game yesterday, and he was very upset with uh, the outcome of what was happening. Like, I think he, I think he was upset with the rain, too, honestly. I think uh, when and how hard it was just coming down in, in, in that storm. But, um, yeah, um, Baltimore, you know, they have that big matchup with Pittsburgh upcoming, but they have to play Tennessee this weekend. We'll preview that on Friday's episode. Um, I'm looking forward to Friday's episode where we can preview all these Week 11 games. Week 11 is going to be off the charts. But, um, man, what a week 10. Um, what, you know, it was pretty crazy because um, it was pretty much evenly distributed. Like, you know that, uh, that perfectly balanced meme from uh, the Avengers from uh, Endgame or Infinity War. I can't remember which one it's from. Like, perfectly balanced when Thanos is balancing the, uh, the knife on his uh, finger. Uh, well, that's how I kind of felt yesterday. It was, like, perfectly balanced. Uh, five o'clock, five one o'clock games, six four o'clock games could not ask for a better football Sunday. We had the masters as well. Really could not ask for a better football Sunday folks. Uh, I just, 
a lot of excitement. A lot of, you know, we have the DeAndre Hopkins touchdown. That's an iconic moment this season. Really couldn't ask for anything more if you're a sports fan yesterday, folks. Really a great day. Um, all right, so uh, why don't we get into this interview with Ethan Winter? Uh, it's a little long, I will warn you, compared to um, the rest of the interviews. And by the way, um, I'm doing this new thing now. Uh, I got this from uh, CC Sabathia and Ryan Rucco's podcast, R2C2. Shout out to R2C2, one of my favorite podcasts, uh, where they just jump right into the interview. When they start recording, that's when it that's when it's go time. So I'm trying that with my guests as well when we record um, through uh, uh, Anchor, like I did with this interview with Ethan. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Ethan, uh, big, 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 big Boston sports fan. Huge Boston sports fan. Uh, he has a lot to say on uh, the Patriots, uh, Alex Cora coming back to the Red Sox, election thoughts, covering high school sports in this crazy COVID times. Uh, it's a great interview. I'm really happy I had Ethan on. So let's get into it, folks. Here's today's interview with Ethan Winter. Hey, what's up? Can you hear me? Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Awesome. awesome. Great. Uh, I guess we can jump right into it if you want. Yeah, sounds good. All right, cool. All right, so we are joined by a former recurring guest of the original incarnation of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan, uh, my former college roommate, uh, sports writer for the Metro West Daily News, Ethan Winter. Ethan, how are you doing today, sir? It's uh, going well, uh, especially since the Patriots got a, a surprise victory last night. Yes. Um, I, I was actually going to start with the Patriots first. I was going to talk about all the Boston teams with you because I know that's your main area of expertise. You are, uh, I mean, Ethan and I were basically the odd couple in college. I, mean, <laughs> I, I was a New York, I'm still am a big New York sports fan. Ethan's a huge diehard Boston sports fan. So we'll start with the Patriots who got a huge win last night. Like you said, Ethan, against the Ravens on Sunday night football. Um, this is a strange year obviously for the Patriots the first year since I believe 2000 or maybe 1999 without Tom Brady uh, it's been a long time you know with that dynasty so this year obviously has to feel really different for you so I guess my first question is um, how does it feel not having Tom Brady on your team and are you secret secretly rooting for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, well I'll answer the second question first and honestly it's a uh it's a conflicting feeling uh, watching the Bucks play. Um, uh, I'm basically rooting for and against Tom Brady right. at the same time, if that makes any and sense. And Gronk, too. Gronk's there, too. Uh, right. Yeah, exactly. I, I think for me, Gronk, uh, when he, he, when the Patriots traded him to the Bucks, I think for me, Gronk leaving hurt me the most. Uh, because at the time it seemed like, uh, oh, he just doesn't want to play for the Patriots anymore. Right. And like, I wonder if had Tom came back, would Gronk be coming out of retirement? Um, and so, but I mean, that's a question that we'll never know. Right. But at the same time, I eventually figured, you know what? It, we're getting a free draft pick that we wouldn't have had anyway. Um, and I know a lot of people have been uh, railing on Belichick for his draft record, but really, I mean, his draft record isn't all that bad. Right. Because, I mean, 
Damian Harris, he was a draft pick a couple of years ago. He uh, basically redshirted last year and was out on IR because of injury. But now that he's gotten opportunity this year, he's really shown that how great of a running back he is right. because he's such a hard runner, such a tough runner. I mean, I can't remember watching a running back run as hard as Damian Harris since LeGarrette won't. Wow. Um, and he's just, and he's faster than Blunt uh, because, I mean, if Damian Harris is able to get into the open field, it's off to the races. Where Blunt, he's more of a, uh, he's gonna run over you as opposed to evade you and and whatnot. Right. Uh, but Harris can do a little bit of both, and also the sixth round draft pick this year, uh, left tackle. I think his first name is Michael, but his last name is Anwenu. Uh, he's been great. He did get beat once last night on the edge that led to a sack. Uh, but other than that, he's been fantastic. Um, and also, I mean, the McCourty, or at least Devin McCourty, he's a draft pick that has been uh, a stalwart for the last 10 years now because he was drafted in 2000. Right. Uh, 2010, I mean. And then you also got Dante Hightower and, and some of those other guys that decided to opt out uh, this year. So when you really look at it, I mean, over tw- – I mean, he's Belichick is right because he's been asked this question a number of times, and he's like, you know, I can't – I've seen a lot worse over the last 20 years. Right. So, I mean, he's right. So, yes, I mean, it is frustrating that he drafted Nikhil Harry over DK, DK Metcalf. Metcalf. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, when you look at it, I don't think it's really fair to say that Belichick's draft record is any worse off than any other GM or, or GM slash head coach in the NFL either. So, yeah. I feel like people are just saying that because Tom Brady's gone now and there's no like right. there's no security blanket for Belichick anymore where they can like right. they can kind of say things like that. So let's uh let's let's talk about the game last night a little bit briefly. Um, you know, you beat the Ravens. I was a little surprised, honestly. I mean, maybe you know, because the game was in five and the rain obviously played a big role in this game too. I mean it was raining yeah. like crazy. Uh, what are your thoughts on the the win last night? Honestly, I was Coming into the game, expecting the Patriots to lose, um, just because they've kind of, the run defense has been awful this year. But their run defense last night really stepped up. I think the biggest uh, pass, uh, biggest plays that the Ravens had on offense was uh, through the air, which is like surprising, considering I mean the Ravens had Lamar Jackson, right, and, and a good uh, running attack too, yeah. And and I remember last year, and the Patriots had a better defense last year, and Lamar Jackson ran all over them. Right. Um, but I had a feeling that the Patriots' defense is going to have a better game this time around on the first series because they forced the Ravens to go uh, do a three and out. Right. Whereas last year, the the Patriots had an opportunity to um, put the Ravens on on a three and out to start the game also. Right. And Lamar Jackson 
was able to extend the play and was able to get that first down. And right from there, it kind of went downhill for the Patriots defense last year from that point yeah. on. Um, and so, and, and also the biggest thing is too, is that, I mean, you mentioned the rain, the Patriots ne- never turned the ball over. Yeah. Impressive. And I think that was a big part where, and the Ravens, well, they only turned the ball over twice. Once the first turnover was actually a big one because it looked like the Ravens were going to try and and tie the game up at least with a field goal. Right. Um, after the Patriots went ahead on that double pass from Jacoby Myers, who by that the was way, a great play, by the way. I thought that was an awesome. It, it play. was, but also um, Jacoby Myers when he was in high school. He went to Cam Newton's quarterback camp uh, in North Carolina. Interesting. Um, And he was actually uh, recruited by NC State to be a quarterback, and then they converted him to wide receiver. Um, Interesting. Did not know that. uh, But um, and and I think that turnover at the end of the half was a big turning point um, because I mean the Patriots bench was high after the touchdown to give them the lead for the first time or a lead in the first half since I think week three. Right. Um, well, actually, no, they, they were ahead seven to three against the Jets. Right. But yeah. Anyway, they, they, uh, that um, barely counts. Yeah, exactly. And they went into halftime against the Jets trail. Right. Um, so, I mean, that was a big momentum booster. And, and really, I think it deflated the Ravens. No um, pun intended, then, deflated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, um, and then uh, l- later on, I, Lamar threw another interception right. that was like right to um, Patrick, uh, not, uh, not Patrick, trying to get, I think it was Devin McCourty. Right. Uh, <clears throat> But then, um, and even when they didn't turn the ball over, uh, the the Ravens had bad snaps. I mean, they were just falling all over themselves. Yeah. They didn't really look prepared to play in the rain at all. No, it actually, uh, like I was going to say, it actually seemed like the Patriots prepared well for the rain as opposed to the Ravens who did not at all. So, Well, well that's also what the Patriots do is that if there's a forecast for – inclement weather they'll play they'll practice outside right. instead of in the bubble and Collinsworth was uh talking about that as well and that's why <clears throat> and that's why the Patriots uh hold on to the ball so well mm-hmm. in inclement weather is because it's not because the ball is below a certain PSI it's just because they they practice in inclement weather and know how to hold on to the ball right. um, and not let it get stripped. Yeah. Um, so, Which is good. That's a good, that's a good way to do it. I think um, right. smart by Belichick to do that. Uh, let's talk about cam. Um, you know, this is his first year with the Patriots uh, probably his only year with the Patriots. If I had to guess, what are your thoughts yeah. about cam Newton? This is probably only going to be a one year thing. You're probably gonna, you know, maybe draft a quarterback this year. What? Or, I mean, maybe things can change. I don't know what the Patriots' plans are, but uh, what do you think about Cam Newton so far this year? 
Well, the, his first couple games were were, were great. Um, he, he, I mean, that incredible Sunday night game against the Seahawks was unbelievable, even yeah. though they lost. Um, you started to see him kind of underthrow guys and throw balls in the dirt uh, in week three against the Raiders, even though they won, and then he got COVID. Right. And I think the last uh, or the the first two or three weeks that he's been back since he came back from COVID, he's been playing with this COVID brain. Right. Has, just, the COVID has, seems has, to still be affecting him, don't, don't you think? I think at this point, it, it's not affecting him as much as it did the first two or three weeks that he was back. Right. Um, because I think it, the last two, the last three weeks, even, I mean, even I guess the second half of the Bills game, he, he played much better. Um, I think he uh, he's starting to play back like he did the first two weeks of the season and, and playing like his old self. He's still not running as much okay. as what some people might have expected when he first came here, but I think that has more to do with the play calling of Josh McDaniels than anything. Yeah. Um, and honestly... In regards to Cam's future, um, I I would not be opposed if the Patriots ex- gave him like a, a two year, two or three year extension, yeah, uh, something short term, because then it allows the Patriots to draft a quarterback and then develop him under a, a veteran, yeah, uh, quarterback. Whereas, I mean. Jared Stidham, I think he has potential, but he's very uh, inconsistent and he can be inaccurate with his passes. Right. Um, I mean, he has a great arm, but it's it was kind of sort of like the knock that Josh Allen had when he first came to the league, where he has a great arm, but you don't know where it's going to go. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, who knows? Maybe the Patriots uh, – invest in Jared Stidham and try to make him into that like Josh Allen type. Yeah. I know before the Patriots uh, brought in Cam, there was a lot of hype about Jared and then, Oh, he's looking good. He's making great strides. But you know, when you put him into a game situation, uh, you saw it last year, you saw it this year against the chiefs. And I think uh, against the chiefs. Yeah. Cause Cameras back against the Broncos. Yeah, um, you, you you saw that the potential is there, but he's he's just not ready. Yeah, uh, even even a second year, and maybe he will be ready uh, in year three. But who knows? But I I would definitely at, at this point in going back to the Ravens game and and even the Jets game. Uh, this is why I'm not in favor or, or not really a fan of tanking for Trevor or, or tanking for Josh Fields or tanking for whoever, because you never know. I mean, any team can win on any given Sunday. And I mean, I, I'll admit if the Patriots lost to the Jets, I would have been all in on the tank for Trevor. Right. Thing. But they beat the Jets. Uh, it was a lot closer than it should have. Yeah, been, it, was, it, was, they, it was close. Yeah. A, a, a win is a win. Yeah. Um, and then they come out this week and upset the Ravens at home. 
and now you're four and five. You're still probably out, out on the outskirts of of a, a wild card at this point. But with that seventh playoff team, it gives you more of a chance to get into it. And before this call, I was kind of I was I went on playoff NFL playoff predictor, right? Just trying to. Um, see the path kind of project and, and, and see where the Patriots could go right. and end up at the beginning of the season I kind of saw the Patriots in uh nine and seven or eight and eight uh to a ten and six range maybe eleven and five right um and I mean they have some tough games ahead still I mean you got the Cardinals who had that incredible win who do they uh, who do they play next who do they play next week uh they play uh they play the Texans. Okay. And that should be a that's win. Yeah, I was gonna say that's a winnable game for y'all. Yeah. Um I mean they, they have some tough games ahead still. I mean they got the the Cardinals. I think that's probably the game that's the most up in the air. Um in terms of like I really don't know who who would win that game. Right. I think the Cardinals are playing extremely well. Right. Uh, Kyler's kind of coming to his own. They just won on that Hail Mary yesterday. Right, exactly. Yeah, and, that was crazy. And I was watching the end of that game, and my jaw just dropped. Yeah, I think everyone DeAndre did. Hopkins just outleaped three Bills defenders and kicked <laughs> it out of the air. Crazy. Um, and then you also have games against the Rams, who I think the Rams, they're kind of a Jekyll and Hyde. You don't know what team is going to show up. You don't know if it's going to be the – team that went to the Super Bowl two years ago or if it's going to be last year's team that had that Super Bowl hangover. Right. Um, and then you have the Dolphins in Miami, which is always a tough place to play. And, and the, the Dolphins, Dolphins look are, good. Um, right. I, I know exactly. you don't want to hear and, this as and, a Patriots fan, but shout out right. to Tua. I mean, Tua's been looking really good. They're 3-0 and with him as quarterback. Right, yeah. And, you know, when I thought when the Dolphins made the switch to Tua, I thought that was kind of a the timing of that switch was strange to me because Fitzmagic was playing well. The Dolphins as a team were playing well. And I just felt like you don't want to, like, risk it. Yeah. Uh, risk shaking up the locker room by starting an unproven rookie quarterback that is coming off of a devastating injury um, in his last college season. Right. And also, like, what sort of message does that send? You're gonna bench a veteran for it's magic, yeah, uh, for a rookie. And it's not it was like I said before. It wasn't like Fitzmagic was playing poorly. Yeah, no, he's like, playing if, well. If were... Fitzmagic was playing poorly, I would have, I, I, I would see no problem with making that switch. But right. he wasn't. He was playing well. And so I just thought the timing of that was odd, and and you, you know, and yeah. I mean, I'm not saying Tua wouldn't have been able to play at all. Yeah, this year, just that I thought to make that switch when they did was strange to me. But I mean, but it so far it's, it's been paying off so for far. them. Yeah, and and I think, it, I, and if I'm, I'm if I'm not mistaken, I think it has to do more with the defense, the Dolphins' defense, than it does have to do with two other. Yeah. 
I mean, Tua's playing okay. He's doing Tua's kind of like game managing a little bit. Like he's he's doing his job. Right. They're winning the games. That's really all you can ask for, honestly, if you're a Miami fan, that they're winning the games. Um, right. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, Patriots are, I think, right in the thick of it, honestly. Um, after their two wins in a row, and I think they will get a third win in a row against Houston. So we'll see what yeah. happens there. Uh, and and another game to keep an eye on later in the season is the second game against the Bills where the Patriots, I mean, you talk about tanking. Like, if the if one or two plays go differently, the Patriots very easily could be 6-3 and three at the very least. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if Cam is able to score against Seattle, that's a win. If Cam doesn't fumble the football against Buffalo, that could have been a win. Um, the Chief, even the Chiefs game. I mean, yeah. if you had a competent quarterback, they didn't I mean, play terrible in the Chiefs game. You're right. Right. I mean, the defense played very well. Uh, the the defense kept the Patriots in the game. Yeah. And if you had a competent quarterback as opposed to Brian Hoyer or Jared Stidham, then I think the Patriots very easily could have won that game. Yeah, I I, uh, and, I agree. And the final score of that game wasn't really indicative of how close that game was. Yeah, that game um, that was uh, that was a game that got moved to Monday night because of the COVID. Yes. Yeah, that game was. I remember that game. That game, right? I, yeah, yeah. I do remember the Patriots playing a little bit better than expected, but the Chiefs kind of pulled away at the end, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, yeah, they they did. I think Stenham threw a pick six that made it like a eleven point game or yeah. something, or or a thirteen point game, and and. But, like, the Patriots also, like, they left at least six points on the board because of just pure, utter incompetence yeah. by Hoyer. Like, they – Just bad quarterback play. Right, exactly. I mean, you can't take a sack when you have no timeouts left. Yeah. Like, That's at the just end bad. of the half. Uh, you just got to get rid of it. Yeah. And, and uh, also – uh, a quick a quick whistle on a Patrick Mahomes fumble took a touchdown off the board in that game too. Um, so I mean, a number if a number of plays go differently, then I mean the Patriots season could be much different. Yeah. Could be looking much differently than it is. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens the rest of the way. It should be really interesting to see how the Patriots season goes. Obviously, first season without Tom Brady, a lot, a lot of questions, but we'll see what happens the rest of the way. All right, um, yep. I want to move into some uh, a little bit of the Red Sox uh, if we can. Uh, yeah. Sure. So Alex Cora is back. Uh, he was rehired as manager after being fired. Uh, or I guess it was a mutual decision to part ways last off season. So the team finishes in last place this year, the 60 game season. Uh, I know you're really excited about Alex Cora coming back. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I love it because I mean, if you, if you really think about it, I mean, the players, like almost every single player that was, that was on the Red Sox uh, in 2018 and 2019, that's still on the team. Was at, at was vocal about wanting to bring Alex Cora back, right. and if you have players on your team outwardly advocating for a certain player or a certain manager, I mean, I how can you just ignore that right. and dismiss it? And so, I I think bringing up Cora back is a big 
it, it's a it's the right decision. And I also kind of like how High and Bloom kind of had the had the he let the process play out. Right. I mean, it was, I, I feel like Alex Cora going back to the Red Sox was the worst, was the worst kept secret. Yeah, we but, knew it was going to happen all season. Right, exactly. Like, yeah, like we kind of had a feeling but, it was going to happen. Right, but Bloom, he still went through the process. He still interviewed his candidates that he he wanted to bring in. And, and it just turned out that I think Cora was – he was the best man, and I think someone said when the final two finalists were came down to Sam Fold and Alex Cora, someone said like, "Why try to bring in the next Alex Cora when you could just have the real thing?" Right. And and so I think that's really what it came down to. Nothing against Sam Fold. Uh, I think he could be a, a a good manager, a great manager, but I just. Uh, Alex Cora coming back to the Red Sox just made too much sense. Right. Um, and I think, uh, and I think he really is sincere about when he apologizes about what happened in Houston. Um, and I think he was embarrassed. Yeah. Uh, honestly. And I mean, I think it just, it just made too much sense. And I think a lot of people are going to be mad that the that Cora is allowed to come back. Yeah, and people are mad that him and Cora are both back. Like, him, but him, you know what? Yeah. I'd rather have AJ Hinch or Alex Cora than a washed up, drunk Tony Larusa yes. managing a young team. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> I agree with you there. I I don't know what the White Sox were thinking, honestly. Like with this move. You know they could have had, right. they had their choice of any manager in the world, and they chose seventy six year old DUI getting Tony Larusa. It just <laughs> makes no sense to me, honestly. Like I I don't really understand. I still don't understand that move. They yeah. their choice. And, Sorry, go ahead. And, and to me, firing Rick Renteria from the from the beginning was a head scratcher. Right. He was a manager of the year finalist. Like he was. Yeah, yeah. And the White Sox had a very good season this year. I guess they wanted somebody who could. Um, take them to the next level, I guess. You know, so they went with Tony LaRussa, who's obviously he's won the World Series three times. He's a Hall of Fame manager. He's got right. an incredible resume, but you know, all this other stuff, you know, the DUI and everything, that that doesn't look very good on on his resume. So But and and it's not even the DUI. And yes, LaRussa's credentials speak for themselves, but he's like you mentioned, the seventy six year old manager. Uh that's taking over a young team with a lot of flashy players. Uh, I mean, Jose Abreu, the league, uh, the MVP. Thing, yeah. yeah. American league MVP. Um, and then you got Tim Anderson, you got Johan Mancata. I mean, a lot of flashy Latin players that are exciting to watch. Yeah. And I just don't know if that will fit well with, Tony LaRusso's managing style. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen either. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the White Sox do. You know, just going back to the Red Sox for a second, I, uh-huh. I agree with you, I agree with you that I feel like bringing back Cora is kind of a no-brainer. As a Yankee fan, I don't love it because he came <laughs> in and instantly won the World Series as the Red Sox manager, so I, I don't love Alex Cora, but 
I understand why the Red Sox made the move. So I, I, I get why you're happy and excited about that. Right. Player. I mean, it's, it's the right move for your team. Uh, and, and I think he's, he's just perfect for this team. He's got the perfect personality. Yeah. I feel like he mixes. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a tough rebuild without Mookie, yeah. obviously, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Maybe they can expedite it a little bit. Having a first-class manager like Cora, I think, is really going to help. Yeah, I think the biggest thing last year was it had nothing to do with really the offense. It had more to do with pitching. just lack of pitching. Um, and, I mean, they just had so many injuries. I mean, Erod, he was supposed to be the yeah. ace of the staff. With, and he had the COVID uh, issue, right? Yeah. Right, with uh, Sale uh, out with Tommy John and Price in L.A. and Rick Porcello with the Mets. Uh, but then he got COVID, and it turned out, I think, uh, Martin Perez turned into that ace or, or something. Yeah, uh, something similar of that ilk. Right, uh, yeah. Uh, but it was just um, it, it, it was just the, the pitching, I feel like, was the biggest issue. Yeah. And, um, and honestly, that 2018 season was the most fun I've ever had as a baseball fan. I just want to point that out the red sox as you know good for you getting that on my so podcast good. <laughs> what good for you getting that on my podcast Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> well but it just goes to show like how perfect uh cora is for this team i feel like he mixes the the use of analytics and traditional gut feeling well um and it's it's shown in his success so. yeah I'm excited for Alex Cora 2.0. And he, he loves the city of Boston, too. I mean, he won a World Series here as a player in 07 right. uh, as a bench guy. And he won a World Series manager. as a manager uh, with the best Red Sox team ever. Of all, I mean, 108 wins. Right, right. Um, so. Yeah. All right. So before we wrap up, uh, I just wanted to talk to you about two things. Um you are, yeah, I said it at the beginning, um, you're a sports writer for the Metro West Daily News. You cover a yeah. lot of high school sports. So, um, obviously, things are really weird right now with COVID. Um, not only with, you know, the way COVID kind of affected the world back in, like, March when it first hit, but now the way it's hitting now with cases on the rise everywhere. Uh, what, what, are some, what have you kind of experienced as a sports writer in these crazy times of COVID? So, uh, in Massachusetts, they have a lot of uh, restrictions that uh, people have to follow. Um, like, they, they modified the rules to some of these sports, like in soccer. Uh, there's no direct corner kicks, no headers. Wow. Um, no, you can't. There's no throw-ins that you just, like, kind of kick it in. Interesting. If the ball goes out of bounds. Um, and, uh, there's no defensive walls. What? Uh, this, um, you're not even playing soccer at this point. But you know what? I mean, having, I mean, that was the reaction, like at the beginning of the season, like, how can you even do this? It's not even soccer, yeah. but having seen it kind of play out, um, in, in person, it's actually not that bad. Yeah. At all. I mean, it's it's still kind of some. Well, there's 
different rule changes. It's still symbols, soccer, um, and I think it's gone really well. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, there's also there's limited fans. It's basically limited to parents and siblings. Right. Uh, at these so games no students too. or anything like that. Just um, just just like immediate family basically right yeah exactly i mean some schools are doing like lanyards um to get in and they're like um i think some schools are like two person two people per uh player are allowed to come or or one person per player uh, are allowed to come and so the lack of fans isn't is kind of weird uh, and also the players they're supposed they're supposed to be wearing masks even while they're playing well, really while they're playing yes. wow yeah yeah so um and there's like certain ex- exceptions like if there's no one within like 10 feet of them they can like pull their mask down a little bit to, yeah for like a breather but I mean, you know, soccer can move so right. fast. I was say, you don't really know when soccer. You can right. Do... It's it's mostly usually it's really the goalies are the only ones that are kind of allowed to pull pull their masks right. down during the during because all the action could be on the other end of the field and uh, yeah. right, right, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, and then with uh, field hockey, I mean, I don't know how familiar you are with field I mean, hockey. I called a game a long time ago, but it's been a while. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's um, usually played 11 on 11. Right. Um, but they uh, cut it down to 7 on 7. Really? Which um, has affected the the fitness of, of a lot of these teams. Um, but, I mean, to me, I mean, I don't really know the the difference between, like, real regular field hockey and and COVID field hockey. I mean, other than um, it's 11 on 11 versus seven on seven, I guess. Right. Exactly. And, and uh, this year the, um, it's cut into quarters instead of halves. Okay. Which, which I think quarters is going to continue beyond COVID. Um, This is one of of those things they picked up from COVID that may stick. Okay. Well, yeah, but also um, I guess the, the governing body of field hockey um, plays or plays in quarters as opposed to halves. Okay. Um, but and, and just going also going back to soccer, they don't, there's no timeouts, which I think that kind of, I feel like kind of has played a, a, a role. Yeah. And in, in certain situations, I'm sure. Um. So, but for the most part, I think. Both the field hockey and and soccer, even with the rules modifications, have gone well. Um, That's good. But the the big question is is as we head into the winter season, uh, and at the end of the month, um, is trying to figure out, and and this is what the MIAA is trying to figure out, and that's if. For those of you who don't know, MIAA stands for Massachusetts Interscholastic Athletic Association, which is the governing body of high school athletics in Massachusetts. Right. Uh, they're trying to figure out what sort of modifications they're going to have for 
high risk sports uh, uh, of basketball and ice hockey. Right. Um, I think ice hockey can be played with uh, almost uh, limited modifications. Right. Just the only modification is that how you have to, the players have to wear the uh, they call them the fishbowl. Um, oh yeah, I like that big base mask. mask. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, and I, even with that, I, I don't think they necessarily would need to wear a uh, mask while they're playing with the, with those uh, type of face shields. Right. Um, but that has been an issue where uh, we've seen a lot of spikes in, in these hockey arenas, but based off of my reporting and talking with people, it doesn't, it seems to be, have, have to do with less of what's actually going on in, when people play hockey than it does with people following the rules. Protocols, of the yeah. And, right, exactly, and um and locker room protocols yeah. and stuff because some of those locker rooms can be tight. And I know some rinks have asked um, players to come in half dressed, basically um, up to their breezers, okay. the, the hockey pants. Uh, obviously, the skates aren't on, right. but I, I know what you mean. Um, just so uh, they can change quickly outside of the locker yeah. room. Uh, just to limit the amount of people that are in the dressing room. So, yeah. but and with basketball, I I don't know what they're gonna do. I think uh, we there's a s- strong possibility that we could see uh, zone defense <laughs> being mandated to be played. Possibly. <laughs> uh, uh, um, and and with rebounding, I mean that's tough because like how are you gonna box up? Right. So I You're think taking away be, a big parts of the game here, right? With at least with free throws, at least yeah. we could see a situation where uh, it's a dead ball free throw, yeah. And who if and whoever, whatever way the uh, uh, possession arrow is pointing would get the ball yeah. on a missed free throw, um, and that could that could be a big issue because that changes the game more so than whatever modification was put in place for soccer or field right. hockey or even ice hockey in my it would opinion. be interesting to see i mean you know that would be interesting to see what what kind of rules high school sports kind of um, stipulate moving forward i know we've been going on for a while here uh, i have us at 37 yeah. minutes but um you have any <laughs> final um uh, you've been a great guest, Ethan. Thank you for coming on. But do you have any final thoughts? on? I know you have some thoughts on the election. Do you want to say those quickly? Um, I think well, – I'm glad Biden won. Yeah. I I feel like this uh, – I feel like the, this election and the election results saved the fate of democracy, even, even though the GOP is still trying to um, – Yeah take away democracy and the will of the people. Um, but I, I just I just hope that once the final transition is in place and Biden takes office, I just hope that we can have see the end of this 
uber uber partisan Trump madness. And all, to be honest, it's not just on the Republican side, although that's where it seems to most of it, the issues seem to be coming from yeah. in terms of uh, unwillingness to compromise and, and whatnot. Um, but I, I do hope that our country can begin to heal within the next four years and we can, we can kind of get stop this madness of partisanship on, on both sides. Uh, and I know Dr. Ringel hates when people <laughs> both sides it, but shout I out mean... to Dr. Ringel, by the way, uh, former guest <laughs> yeah. of the old upon further review with Brian Brennan podcast, hopefully going to have him on at some point in this new edition. Uh, continue what you're saying, Ethan. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think I agree in that most of it has, most of it has to do with the reckoning. The GOP has to ha- hold, have itself with, I mean, we as a country we just can't continue to be so so divided yeah to, to like a house divided will fall yes. so i mean that's what we need to remember and try to start to come together and and, and recognize that it's not party over country yeah. it's country over party and I feel like we did save the soul of America, at least temporarily. Um, and we avoided fascism. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all right. Those, those are my final thoughts. And I do have one uh, final thoughts, too, yeah, on, on the Celtics. Um, I've, been, I, I've been seeing a lot of trade rumors that are involved in Kemba Walker. I think that trading Kemba would be dumb. And it's not just with Kemba Walker. It started, too, with uh, Gordon Hayward. For whatever reason, there are dumbass Celtics fans out there that after one year of having um, Kemba? Gordon Hayward or Hayward. Kemba Walker, they want to trade him. Yeah. I mean, the Celtics, it's taken them years for them to be able to kind of position itself as a destination for top tier free agents, right. and if you're going to trade one of your free, those free agent signings a year after you got them, like what is that going to say to other free agents? Yeah. So I, I actually agree, and um, you know, before we wrap up, uh, I, I will say I did hear that Gordon Hayward um, he has an opt out in his contract this year, so I right. heard he might, so just from the Knicks side of things. I heard people, some of the Knicks fans say they might try and sign him if he were to opt out. Personally, I feel like that's kind of counterproductive to what the Knicks actually need to do. But uh, right. I, I agree with you. I don't think the Celtics should trade Kemba or Gordon Hayward. They went to the conference finals last year with both of them. So I wouldn't trade either of them. Right. And honestly, if, if Kemba was healthy, maybe the Celtics beat the Heat yeah. and move on to the – NBA finals and, and play the Lakers. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, clearly they're, they're the Celtics um, position of need, I think is in the front court. And, and um, I mean, cause I mean, I love Daniel Tice, but he's not really, he's more of an outside shooter and he's not, he's more of a, a bench guy. Yeah. I think, um, I think if they are able to, and I've seen, 
some trades that would be able to work where the Celtics would be able to get um, Miles Turner in exchange and, and uh, the six number six pack. Nice. Um, I mean, obviously, they would trade like one or more of their uh, three draft picks this year as well. Right. And I think all of them in, are in the first round. That's pretty good. Or at least two of them. For a team that made the conference finals last year, that's pretty good. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. So, um, Ethan, um, uh, thank you for joining yeah. us. Uh, I really appreciate you hopping on. You're welcome on any time. Uh, we recorded for a long time, man. We're 43, yeah, 43 minutes. Wow. Um, <laughs> thank you for joining me, man. I appreciate it. I want to thank Ethan Winter for coming on this episode of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. Uh, thank him again for coming on this episode. Uh, I just want to talk a little bit about the Masters before we wrap up. Uh, Dustin Johnson was really a historic victory. He won by five strokes yesterday. Um, pretty easy win for DJ. Uh, shout out to his brother as well uh, for for caddying uh, for him. Uh, this, that's a really nice story that you like to see. Shot a 68 yesterday. Um, did a really good job yesterday. Shot four under par uh, yesterday to close out the uh, the round and uh, 20 under overall. Uh, Smith, I don't have his first name. I apologize. He came in second uh, in the Masters, the Australian. Uh, he also shot well. A lot of guys shot well at this Masters tournament. Uh, we have a lot of guys who shot under par. Um, Smith did a really good job. Uh, here's the top five. It's uh, Johnson, Smith, Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, Dylan Fratelli is the top five. Um, and then we've got a couple other guys. Brooks Kepka did pretty well. He came in seventh. Patrick Reed came in tenth. Uh, a lot of guys, you know, that are familiar faces did pretty well. But one familiar face who really, really struggled towards the end of this thing is Tiger Woods. And uh, Tiger had a really rough day. He finished tied for 38, uh, one under par. Uh, he had one – there's one hole that really killed Tiger Woods. It was the 12th yesterday, a, a par three, and he shot a 10. Not a good performance from Tiger Woods. That really cost him. Um, but he still got to pre- present DJ with his Masters, uh, his golden his, – um, his green jacket yesterday. So that's a classic moment for um, – for Tiger Woods. I'm sure he loves that. Um, he didn't shoot so well. Ricky Fowler finished tied for 29th. So, uh, you know, another golfer that I like also didn't do so well. And, uh, you know, like I said, I like Rory McIlroy. He finished tied for fifth. So shout out to Rory. Um, yeah, pretty easy win for Dustin Johnson. You know, a lot of our fears about the Masters and the lights going down or the sun going down, um, proved to be false. We didn't have to worry about that too much at this Masters. Everybody got their rounds in pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, it was a good, it was a good, um, it was a good, um, good Masters tournament. Congrats to Justin Johnson and to everybody else who competed at the 2020 Masters in Augusta, Georgia. All right, that should just about do it for this episode of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. One last final thought. I just want to say I know the NHL is coming out today with these retro jerseys that are awesome. A couple I like. The Colorado Avalanche are bringing back the Quebec Nordiques logo, which is awesome. Uh, Carolina Hurricanes, surprise, surprise. 
Hartford Whalers. You know, they've been trying to capitalize on that Hartford Whalers uh, merchandise for a while that I love so much as a Connecticut guy. And, um, you know, they're going to capitalize on that. And, um, you know, I will say, because uh, Robbie Gross, who will be an episode or will be a guest on this podcast in the future, he showed me the Capitals. He actually sent it to, we have a group chat with the guys who talk hockey on Sports on the Hill podcast. So that would be Carol and Anna and Robbie. And Robbie actually sent us the throwback jersey from the Capitals. And I actually think it looks pretty cool. It's got the Screaming Eagle on there, but it's red. So it keeps with the Capitals theme of red. I like it a lot. Um, I think they're a really good uniform. Uh, I'm looking through my Facebook timeline right now, and I actually see somebody else already shared that the um, Capitals throwback jerseys are really nice, and uh, they love them as a Capitals fan. So uh, that's funny how that works out. Um, but, yeah, and I also, of course, love the Rangers uh, throwback jerseys as well with the Statue of Liberty. Uh, I, those are, I mean, what a great uniform that I miss the Rangers Statue of Liberty jerseys more than anything. I thought those were the, some of the best jerseys, honestly, in the history of the NHL. And when they got rid of them, I was really disappointed because, uh, you know, I love the Rangers regular uniforms, the blue. They're classics, the blue, the white. They're, they're all classics. But the Statue of Liberty just brought something new and refreshing. And I really liked it. And so I'm glad they're bringing those back. I'm looking forward to hockey season. I don't know when hockey season is going to start. Um, we know the NBA is starting on December 22nd. I'm looking forward to that. But we, do, we don't know when hockey season is going to start just yet. Um, it, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens with hockey. And I, I actually said this uh, on a previous show, but it'll be interesting to see how hockey handles having all their teams in Canada as well as the United States. Uh, so we'll see what Gary Bettman does there. But uh, with that being said, thank you for listening to this episode of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. Thank you, Ethan Winter, for coming on this episode of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe on Spotify. Follow us on Facebook at Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. Follow me on Twitter personally at bbrian1991. I tweet only hot fire. And, um, I mean, that's a joke. I, I don't, I don't most of my tweets are pretty boring, but, um, still, uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter. Um, you know, get us wherever you get your podcast and stay tuned for more great upon further review with Brian Brennan content, hoping to have a rune on in the next episode. Um, you know, I, I actually talked to a rune, uh, last week and asked him if he wanted to be on this on Friday's episode. And he said, yes. So hopefully a rune and I can make a time to record and get it done this week. Uh, and bring that to you on Friday. But until then, have a good one, folks. Talk to you next time. All right, that should just about do it for this episode of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. One last final thought. I just want to say I know the NHL is coming out today with these retro jerseys that are awesome. A couple I like. The Colorado Avalanche are bringing back the Quebec Nordiques logo, which is awesome. Uh, Carolina Hurricanes, surprise, surprise. Hartford Whalers, you know, they've been trying to capitalize on that Hartford Whalers uh, merchandise for a while that I love so much as a Connecticut guy. And, um, you know, they're going to capitalize on that. And, um, you know, I will say, because uh, Robbie Gross, who will be an episode or will be a guest on this podcast in the future, he showed me the Capitals. He actually sent it to, we have a group chat with the guys who talk hockey on Sports on the Hill podcast. So that would be Carol and Anna and Robbie. And Robbie actually sent us the throwback jersey 
from the Capitals, and I actually think it looks pretty cool. It's got the Screaming Eagle on there, but it's red, so it keeps with the Capitals theme of red. I like it a lot. Um, I think they're a really good uniform. Uh, I'm looking through my Facebook timeline right now, and I actually see somebody else already shared that the um, Capitals throwback jerseys are really nice, and uh, they love them as a Capitals fan. So uh, that's funny how that works out. Um, but yeah, and I also, of course, love the Rangers uh, throwback jerseys as well with the Statue of Liberty. Um, I, those are, I mean, what a great uniform that I miss the Rangers Statue of Liberty jerseys more than anything. I thought those were the, some of the best jerseys, honestly, in the history of the NHL. And when they got rid of them, I was really disappointed because, uh, you know, I love the Rangers regular uniforms, the blue, they're classics, the blue, the white, they're, they're all classics, but the Statue of Liberty just brought something new and refreshing, and I really liked it, and so I'm glad they're bringing those back. I'm looking forward to hockey season. I don't know when hockey season is going to start. Um, we know the NBA is starting on December 22nd. I'm looking forward to that, but we, do, we don't know when hockey season is going to start just yet. Um, It'll be interesting to see what happens with hockey. And I actually said this uh, on a previous show, but it'll be interesting to see how hockey handles having all their teams in Canada as well as the United States. Uh, So we'll see what Gary Bettman does there. But uh, with that being said, thank you for listening to this episode of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. Thank you, Ethan Winter, for coming on this episode of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe on Spotify. Follow us on Facebook at Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. Follow me on Twitter personally at bbrian1991. I tweet only hot fire. And, um, I mean, that's a joke. I, I, don't, I don't, most of my tweets are pretty boring. But um, still, uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter. Uh, you know, get us wherever you get your podcast. And stay tuned for more great Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan content. Hoping to have a rune on in the next episode. Um, you know, I, I actually talked to Arun uh, last week and asked him if he wanted to be on this on Friday's episode, and he said yes. So hopefully, Arun and I can make a time to record and get it done this week uh, and bring that to you on Friday. But until then, have a good one, folks. Talk to you next time.